Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 227 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. With Rio just around the corner, there's a lot of Olympic qualification tournaments coming up, and today we discuss the African and Australian tournaments. In the questions, we talk about using placement in your training, the benefits of the shake hand and pen hold grips, generating side spin on your serves, and how to warm up on the day of a tournament. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeff. And yes, another interesting show, another week coming up. Yeah, certainly is. Um, always good to start off the week with a big show, Alois, and we've got a good one lined up today, that's for sure. Um, it's just my computer seems to be struggling because it's Monday. The questions take a while to come up, you know. it's um, Yeah, I know. I guess we all feel like that on a Monday morning sometimes. Yeah, Mondays do that to you. But you, you're a bit busy on the um, weekend uh, doing some trick shots there, Jeff, I see. You, you uh, got a good one yeah, going. Yeah, it only took me like one, one shot to film me hitting two balls, of course. Yeah, you sure? <laughs> if you haven't seen it, check out um if you haven't seen it check out our facebook page or our instagram uh there's a good video there or our youtube um and we've also got a behind the scenes footage of me filming that alice which is worth watching okay um yes i was busy it was fun though me and my me and my kids uh filmed that uh, very good and uh, which reminds me alice have you I'm not sure if you've seen this video of the people bouncing the ball on their handle. Have you, have yes, you seen I have. That was ITTF yep. did one. Yeah. ITTF did one and showed the top players and who could do the most. And then Ben Larkham of Expert Table Tennis did a video on, on actually learning it and practicing and, and getting better at it. And I was thinking, Alice, that you and I should practice and just see if we can improve at bouncing the ball on our handle. Five minutes a day. All right. Okay. Like that. Yeah. And maybe we can get the viewers involved and have a competition. Let's have a think about that over the next few days. Okay. Done. All right. Well, like I said, Rio is nearly upon us, Alois, and there's a couple of qualification tournaments. Um, we were going to talk about the African one last Friday, but we forgot. So today we want to talk about the Australian and the African Olympic qualification tournaments. What happened and what do we need to know? Yeah, so um, I suppose uh, in the African tournament, the, uh, the exciting news is that uh, Segan Toriola from Nigeria has now qualified for his seventh Olympics. Which is just huge. Wow. How many people? There mustn't be many people who've qualified for seven Olympic Games. No, I think there's only another three. So there's um, uh, Jorgen Persson, um, uh, Jean Michel Save, and there's one other who I'm forgetting. But yes, I think uh, there's one other. And uh, yeah, so he's, he's, done, he's done brilliantly well to qualify for seven Olympics um, in a row. Amazing stuff. Um, so, um, so he and um, Osaka um, from uh, the Con- uh, Congo or Congo Brazzaville um, are the two men's qualifiers there, and in the um, in the women's, um, Edem Ofiong also from Nigeria qualifies first, and uh, Safa Saidana um, 
from um uh, where's she from oh from tunisia that's right from tunisia so those two players qualify so it yeah starting to get into that really exciting period now um in an olympic year where all the qualification tournaments are on and we're starting to see uh you know see see people actually book their spots uh for rio so so that was good and um in um in oceana we've also started the process so um australia had or is in the in the middle of their um, Australian qualification tournament. And then the the best players from that go into the Oceana qualification tournament. So uh, yeah, exciting, exciting times and a um, bit of a, bit of a surprise in the men's uh, yesterday. It was um, in the, in the men's uh, Heming Hugh, um, who, you know, wouldn't be favored to, to win, uh, win the event uh, got up and, uh, has taken the number one spot in the men's singles. And in the women's, it was Sally Zhang um, and Jianfeng Lei. We know Jianfeng Lei very well. She's played a lot on the international scene. Sally Zhang's only uh, fairly new to Australia, but uh, has has a really good record against Jianfeng Lei and, and again, uh, undefeated in the Australian qualification tournament. So taking the top spot, Jianfeng Lei taking the second spot. So... So exciting times ahead for for those players as well. And as I said, you know now now we really start to step up into the uh, into the exciting Olympic year uh, where place, players are actually booking their spots uh, for Rio. Yes, yeah, certainly is. Uh, and what a year it's going to be! I lost the World Championships only uh, a few days away, um, and then Rio later on in the year. Great year for table tennis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the world. All right. Yeah, the world yeah. team championships. The world team championships coming up uh, starting this weekend. Um, yeah, China hot favourites, and I see that Demi Ovcharov is out with an injury, so uh, that is going to severely um, hamper the German team. But on the other side, I hear Schlager. Yeah, big. yeah. Schlager is has uh, put his hand up for the Austrian team. So hmm, there we go. There you go. So Dmitry Ovtarov, our big bloke for Germany, and Schlager, the veteran, putting his hand up. Will be interesting to see, you know, former world champion, but um, you know, aging. It'll be interesting to see if he can come back and, and make a difference for Austria or not. Yeah, and age age does play a part, doesn't it? I mean, we've we've seen uh, we've seen just recently the retirement of Waldner. Yeah, we saw his last match in the league. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he was looking old and he was looking a little bit slower, but, um, yes. So age definitely does play a part. We'll be interesting to see how Schlager does. There you go. But, you know, you had, uh, you know, Samsonov playing well in his late thirties, uh, person played well in his late thirties and early forties, uh, save continue to play well. So yeah, we'll see. We will see. All right, Alois. Uh, on Friday, the Ping Seals question of the day was, who is the best para player? What did people think? Yeah, so that was interesting to see um, some responses. And, of course, the banter continues between Igor Plesko. So Igor has nominated Jake Valestrino, who is a Class 7 uh, from Australia. Um, very good player. Um, Glenn O'Day said uh, Trevor Hurth, um, another Aussie. Um uh, but uh, but Chris Addis uh, also replied from the same club, and you know he wasn't happy that Trevor got nominated by uh, Glenn. 
But anyway, um, Eugene said Tal Leibovitz, yeah, great, uh, great US um, para player. Um, and Tad then said um, that Polish woman who has only one arm. Yes, and then he came back later and said he Googled it, Natalia Partika. Um, so Natalia has won three um, Class 10 women's Paralympics, um, and she's also uh, you know, been ranked in the top 50 in the world in uh, able body as well. So, yeah, Natalia, huge, huge player. Um, and Bilu said the player with no arms, um, and uh, on the... Um, on our blog, which I'm just about to find, on our blog, Sasha Danceru said, uh, nominated Ibrahim Hamodo, um, who is the player with no arms. Um, but he also said the best player, in my opinion, is Melissa Tapper from Australia. Um, and she was in the under 18 women's national champion. She was the under 18 women's national champion and Commonwealth Games bronze medalist. So, uh, yes, yeah, so there's, there's a, a few, uh, few nominations there. And Tam, said Patrick Chojnowski and Natalia Partika. So they're both para, uh, para players from Poland. Um, and Patrick Chojnowski, if you haven't seen him play, beautiful player too. Excellent. Yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of interest in the para uh, table tennis alloys. And again, with the Olympics, the Paralympics coming up, going to be a big year for all those athletes too. Yeah, the, pro, the, the qualification process is a little bit different there. So most players have qualified this or have, uh, you know, basically qualified their spots by um, their world rankings. So most of that's on world rankings plus uh, um, qualification events, which are which were all held last year. So, uh, yeah, so that, all those lists will be finalised pretty soon as well. So, um, yeah, Paralympics, a couple of weeks after the Olympics, it's in Rio and uh, yeah, also some great table tennis to be seen there. Excellent. All right. Well, that moves us on to today's Ping Skillers question of the day, which is what is your favorite serve and why? So um, jump onto our Facebook page or onto our blog. Oh, Jeffrey, you're, you're right. You're allergic so. to Monday itis. I think I am allergic to Monday. Um, but yes, uh, jump on to our Facebook page or onto our blog and let us know what is your favourite serve and why. Alrighty. Now that, Alois, moves us on to the best segment of the show, This Day in History, what happened on the 22nd of February. Absolutely. So, um, yes, George Washington was born. You know who George Washington was, Jeffrey? Was born in 1732. Yeah, yeah. good. For the first president of uh, the United States, I think he yeah um, got gained the presidency in 1789. So George Washington, the first president born today, very very long time ago. And the other one was um, Steve Irwin. So all the Australians will know him, and I think he's pretty famous out in the UK as well. So he was born in 1962. Famous conservationist and crocodile uh, hunter. Crocodile hunter, that's him. Yes. So, uh, yeah, Steve Irwin, George Washington, two very different people. Same same star sign though, apparently. Um, born today. There you go. Very good. All right. So that moves us on to the questions. And first up is a question from Ilya, who jumped on using the Google Q and A button and said, hi, Alice and Jeff, 
when should I start to heavily focus my training on placing the ball wide to the corners and into the elbow? How can I make sure I'm ready for that? Yeah, so Ilya, once, you, once you've got a technique right, you know, just even your basic techniques, it's important then to start to think about utilising uh, placement as well with your shots. So, you know, placing the ball wide, placing the ball into the middle, they're all things that you can start to develop pretty early. Now, I've seen some video of you playing, Ilya, and you are definitely ready to start to think about those, those sort of things. So um, in your um, practice drills... So even when you're doing um, footwork drills, perhaps, instead of doing the footwork drill with the other person blocking from the middle of the backhand area, you could do it from the middle of the table or you're trying to find their middle, um, or you can do it trying to place the ball wide. So, you know, we always talk about um, our training drills um, altering depending on what you're focusing on. And that's something that you can just change up. Instead of doing your forehand, backhand footwork drill um, to to one position, you do it to the middle, or you can do it to wide, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yeah, you can start to focus on that sort of um, part of the game pretty early on, um, and definitely, you know, once you've just got the basic idea and and you're able to hit the ball on the table, then you can start to think more about placement as well. Yeah, good answer, Alois. And a quick plug there for our premium membership. We have a 52-week training program where we go through and give you a new training session every week along with a masterclass. And we bunch it up into groups of four weeks where we focus on a particular area of your game. And there's four weeks there where we're definitely focusing on placement and talk a lot about um, those sorts of topics um, that Ilya was asking about. So check out our premium membership at pingskills.com. All right, next question. Zach has asked, what benefits are there in the shake hand grip and the pencil grip, which we generally call the pen hold grip? And in your experience, is it hard to get used to playing someone with the opposite grip? Yeah, so firstly, the benefits of both. Um, so with the shake hand grip, it's basically felt that um, the backhand is easier with the shake hand grip because um, yeah, the, the, with the penhole grip, it used to be that they used the same side of the racket, so it was more difficult um, to to get um, power and generate um, speed and spin and etc. With the with the penhole grip, now though with the penhole grip, uh, players using the reverse uh, penhole backhand, that um, difference is, has been eliminated to a great extent. But I think it's still more difficult to play the backhand with the pen pen hold or pencil grip. So so that's the that's the one difference. Um, the other thing is that with uh, the pen hold grip, you can eliminate your crossover point by utilizing the same side of the racket. So the crossover point for the shake hander is where you change from the forehand to the backhand. So this area in here where you've got to make that um, switch over from side to side, um, whereas with the pen hold grip, you can utilize the same side to you um, all um, all through there. The other advantage with the pen hold is that you can utilize your wrist a little bit better just because of um, the grip. You can utilize your wrist in that motion rather than the sideways motion that we um, utilize more with the shake hand. But yeah, all in all, shake hand grip seems to be 
much more popular uh, worldwide. And it's mainly because you can utilize your backhand a lot better. And, and now when we're starting to see more backhands played, um, I think we'll start to see even more uh, utilization of the shake hand over the pinhole grip. Yeah, certainly, Alois. It's interesting because in the past, in the Chinese national team, you've had quite a few pen holders, Marlin and Wang Hao. Um, but now, and I don't know if it's a trend, and maybe it is, like you said, because I'm all backhands, you've just got Zhu Zin. But then, you know, you've got, um, you know, Ma Long, Zhang Zike, Fan Zendong, um, Fang Bo all coming along with the shake hand. It seems even, even from China now, there seems to be more shake hand players coming through. Yeah, and Zuzin, you know, I mean, his his footwork's fantastic, his forehand's fantastic, but he'll always struggle on that backhand side there, you know, and, and then he gets forced back a little bit on the backhand side and becomes more difficult. So, yeah, I, I mean, things go through waves, but, yeah, definitely I think at the moment the shake hand grip is dominant. Now, the other part of that question was, is it difficult to play against someone using the opposite grip to you? Yeah, not necessarily. It's It's... Again, it's a matter of the person. It's a matter of styles and it's a matter of what you like. So, um, yeah, a shake hand player might actually like playing against a penhole player. I remember Wang Tao, uh, the Chinese shake hand player, used to absolutely eat uh, penhole players because he was so fast um, and he'd just stay close to the table and, and just, uh, you know, play one side, the other side. And um, and the, the poor penholder in those days didn't really have much of the reverse um, backhand and they used to get caught out of position all the time so no it's not really a matter of um you know playing the person with the opposite group it's just what what the styles are and uh, and whether you like playing against that particular player or that particular style great excellent and thank you for the question zach next up how jun says hi i'm having the problem of adding more side spin or backspin to either my pendulum serve or reverse pendulum serve. Um, and even the backhand. The only serve where I can get the most side spin is the tomahawk serve. So do you have any advice for how, John? Yeah, so so I, I think the first thing is to just relate to the contact and the, the spin that you're getting on the, on the tomahawk serve. So feel the spin that you're getting, um, feel the contact, and then, try to translate that to the other serves that you're doing. Um, so with the pendulum serve, try to get a similar uh, feeling or contact of what you're doing with that pendulum serve. So you're probably quite confident with that and swinging through really quickly. Um, the same needs to happen with the pendulum serve, with the backhand serve, with the whatever serve, um, and the reverse pendulum serve. Um, it's, it's a matter of just generating that speed, generating that contact, and just... The, the, the good thing for you is that you've got that serve that you can relate to. So, you know, do some um, tomahawk serves and then, okay, then switch straight to the pendulum serve and see if you can get that same type of contact and feeling um, with those serves. Yeah. Now, you'd, like you said, the tomahawk serve seems to give you a really good angle for side spin. Um, the pendulum serve, I guess you've got to get your elbow into a good position to be able to get that side spin on the ball. Yeah, that's right. And also making sure you're altering that grip as well. So taking those three fingers away um, to get to get around the side of that ball. Um, if you have your normal shake hand grip, it's really difficult to get around the side. With the relaxed grip, you can get around the side of the ball uh, much easier. Perfect. All right. So hopefully that helps you out, Ho Jun.
Good question. Now, Carl asks, with all the uh, upcoming tournament activity for him, a question that popped into his mind was, which of these two solutions would be more optimised for a warm-up before the tournament starts? Warm-up and rest or warm-up and play straight away? Yeah, so um, really is a matter of uh, finding what works for you. There's no right or wrong here. Um, You need to experiment a little bit and um, try both ways. So if you warm up, um, you know, you're really warm and you're hot and you're ready to go and walk walk straight out onto the court, um, that can work for you. Um, And some people like that feeling. Personally, I used to like to warm up, have a break, um, sit down, um, calm myself down a little bit, um, go through the process of thinking tactically about what I needed to do for that upcoming match and then go out there and uh, and play the match. So you were also worried about, you know, if you, if you do have that rest, maybe you're not um, warm and ready to go. So what you can do is just physically in the minute or two before you step out onto the court, um, just get your heart rate up, you know, do a little bit of skipping, uh, do some physical warm-ups, um, get get yourself sweating again. And then when, when you go out onto the court, you've still got those two minutes where you're, where you're doing some hitting and just get the feel for the ball again if, if that's an issue. Um, so experiment with both ways um, and see how you go. And, um, and we had a bit of a follow-up and he said that he, um, he actually played the tournament and won the tournament. And what he did was he did have that break in between and utilise that time to, you know, sit down and think about his tactics and uh, and played well. So so that obviously worked for you, which is great. But for the viewers, just think for yourself about what works best. And, you know, you need to do both, experiment with both, see, see which one um, you feel more comfortable with. Yeah, excellent. And well done, Carl. Now, yeah, on that, Alois, even I found that, one wasn't always best for me. It kind of depends on um, if I'd been playing a lot and already felt like I was playing well, then then maybe I would like to do the warm-up and rest. But if I was a little bit more anxious or something, maybe I'd prefer to keep warming up closer to the match um, or keep hitting closer to the match. So it can also depend on, you know, how you're feeling that day or, or where you're at um, in terms of your confidence levels. Yeah, and you're right there. And also just circumstances. I mean, in some situations, you just can't um, go straight in, you know, in a in a um, pennant or in a league type situation, you might have to be watching your teammate and even umpiring and then and then jump straight on and play your match. So, um, yeah, it, it really depends on your, your actual situation as well. And and just, I suppose, what you said there, there Jeff, you, you know, then you need to adapt as well. Um, you need to be able to play in both situations. In a tournament situation, um, you've probably got more time. Um, whereas, whereas in a league situation, you know you, you you know when you're playing, but you may not have the opportunity to to warm up. Yes, certainly, certainly. All right, Alois, uh, that wraps up uh, show 227. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Sign up for a free email newsletter if you haven't already. And also, Alois, I don't think, I think we're out for tomorrow morning. I have to take a friend back to the airport. So um, we will be back on Wednesday morning with another big show. 
So thanks again, everyone, and thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeff. And does that mean I get to sleep in tomorrow morning? Sleep in, absolutely. Okay. But I will miss seeing you guys, but we will see you on Wednesday, so two days from now. Bye, everyone.